wonderful. Amen. Thank you. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 tonight. Tonight will be a different kind of a message. And not not really sure this is a message, a sermon. Uh, sometimes we, uh, today was a very specific kind of a sermon with a specific end to try to help to guard our hearts against bitterness. And sometimes we're trying to promote something. Sometimes we're trying to repair something. Sometimes we're trying to encourage something. And tonight, I just want to just preach to you about something interesting in the Bible. And uh, I I don't have a lot of application, quite frankly, except to encourage your heart that there's a God and he's aware and he's working and he's busy and he's got helpers. And uh, we're very blessed to have God's presence in our life, but also the heavenly messengers that he sends for our help. Psalm 91 Stand and read with me, if you would, please, verses 11 and verse 12. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. I want to talk to you a little bit a bit tonight just simply about the ministry of angels. I realize that there is, I think, uh, oh, maybe, um, maybe an unbalanced um, interest in spiritual things, absence, a clear understanding of the Word of God. A lot of people want to read a book about angels. They don't want to read the Bible. And so I don't want to encourage that. But at the same time, just because someone else is distracted by something, we don't want to miss what the Bible does have to say. And it's a, it's a great subject. And uh, God talks about the ministry of angels. So we're going to have a little, Just we're going to just stroll through the scriptures a little bit. And, uh, and, uh, I hope have a good time. I had a good time studying, and I hope you have a good time tonight. Father, bless now as we just enjoy the Word of God and think about uh, uh, your uh, heavenly helpers and uh, those ministering spirits uh, that you created for your glory and that are a blessing to us as your children. Make us aware tonight of how much you love us and of your tender care in our lives and uh, help us to see it in a fresh way and exalt you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. In Hebrews in chapter number one, I'll ask you to turn over there with me. And I don't think you want to Try to follow me in all the passages tonight. I, you're certainly welcome to if you want to, but I think I will probably uh, not linger extensively in any one scripture, though I have a lot of scripture to read to you or to reference. And so I think maybe you would get the most out of it just to listen and just enjoy. And uh, as we learn something about the, the ministry of, of angels, the Bible tells us that in the book of Job, that Satan himself came and appeared before 
the Lord, and uh, and uh, he came and uh, evidently to give an account, and uh, he had to report where he'd been and so forth. And I don't understand all the details behind that, but I do learn from that that even the fallen angels are still yet accountable to to God, and. We know the story that unfolded and the working of God in Job's life as a result of Satan himself's uh, question. And so I do believe that the angels appear uh, before the Lord. And the Bible tells us that they will be the instruments of his judgment in Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 1 and chapter 8 verse number 2 and elsewhere in Revelation. They will scorch the earth with fire at the bidding of God. These are very, very powerful powerful beings that God has created. They were uh, uh, very much involved in the ministry of Christ at his birth in Matthew 1. and Luke 1, he came, uh, Gabriel, one of three archangels, I believe Lucifer is the third, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, and Lucifer, of course, a fallen angel. But Gabriel came and, and announced and predicted the birth of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 1 and in Luke 1. And then it was angels that announced his birth to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Amen. And uh, there was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. It was an angel that warned Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt to escape the terrible wrath of Herod in the slaughter of the innocent children. And it was later an angel that directed the family to return to Israel after Herod had died. Angels were there, legions of angels were there at Calvary, according to Matthew twenty six fifty three, ready to come to the Lord's defense. The songwriter said, He could have called 10,000 angels. And that's true. That's true. But he stayed on the cross, didn't he? It was an angel in Matthew 28 that rolled the stone away from the tomb. It was an angel that resurrected uh, the morning of the resurrection that announced Christ was alive. He's not here. He's risen. Amen. Come see the place where he lay. And there were angels present in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus ascended. Why stand ye gazing here? This same Jesus who's left you is coming back in like manner. Amen? And he is coming back. He will be, they will be at the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians 4, verse number 16 says, we'll hear the voice of the archangel. And in Matthew 25 and 2 Thessalonians 1, they will accompany at the second coming. They will accompany the Lord. They will be present in Matthew 13 at the judgment where the angels are given the duty of separating the wheat from the tares at the second coming of Christ. In Colossians 1.16, the Bible says, They, along with all other things that God made, were created by God, by Him, and for Him. Interestingly enough, 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 1, references the tongues or the language of angels. I infer from that that angels have their own language. In Jude 
and verse number 6. It speaks of their own habitation in reference of a place they formerly lived before they were bound in everlasting chains for their rebellion. In Acts 7, verses 53 and Galatians 3.19, we learn that they had an important role in giving God's law to Israel. Numbers of times in the Bible we find angels encouraging God's people, especially encouraging them along to get with it. (laughs) They seem to be movers and shakers. In Genesis 19... The angels hastened Lot and said, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest they be consumed. They actually laid hold upon Lot's hand and his wife and his two unmarried daughters and said, Escape for thy life. Hurry up. Run for your life. You have to wonder sometimes what those angels must think when they see us, God's creation, rebelling against him, dragging our feet. In Acts chapter number 12, I, this is, a, this is I like this one right here. In Acts chapter number 12, Peter, the church of course is praying for Peter, you know. And, uh, and uh, an angel comes to the prison cell and says, uh, Peter, get up. The Bible said he smoked Peter on the side. Peter must have been a heavy sleeper. <laughs> an angel came and knocked him on the side. And raised him up. Man, come on, get up. Arise up quickly, the angel said. Gird thyself. He said, man, come on, man. Put yourself together. Bind on thy sandals. You're going to need your shoes, man. <laughs> Cast thy garment about thee. Throw your coat, a coat on. You're going to need it. Follow me. And the Bible said he followed that angel and walked past two armed guards. And were evidently completely invisible To those two armed guards. Corey Tim Boone tells a story about being in Ravens. Men from where they had been to this prison camp, Ravensbrook. They wanted to conceal this Bible, and and she prayed. She said, "Lord," she said, "surround me with your angels, and this time make them non-transparent." And she was able to tuck that Bible up under her dress. At the slightest bulge, every person could not even be seen. They just motioned her on through. There was a second time as they went into the barracks. They were again searched. Everyone, a guard on either side of the doorway. And every person that went through that door was patted down, was searched to make sure they brought nothing in there whatsoever. And when she stepped up on the steps, she walked right through as though she had not even been seen. I like when God does things like that, don't you? He said, Peter, get up, wake up, get ready, get your shoes on, put your coat on. Peter thought he was dreaming. He didn't, when when they got to the the gate, big iron gate of the prison, the Bible said just, boom, opened of its own accord. Just opened up, automatic door, amen. First automatic door in history. And he walked out and and he's in the middle of the street and the angel just takes off, just disappeared, just Kept on going, you know. And all of a sudden, he said, I'm not dreaming, am I? (laughs) And he realized, he thought it was a dream the whole time, and realized he was awake, and God had delivered him. Amen?
In Matthew 2, an angel came to Joseph the carpenter and said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. In Acts chapter number 8, an angel came to Philip and said, Arise and go toward the south, which is desert, and go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip had been in Samaria, leading a great revival. And an angel, a messenger of the Lord, came and said, Man, come on, get up. <laughs> you got to go down here to the desert. There's somebody that God wants you to witness to. And, of course, that was the Ethiopian eunuch. And he got saved. Amen? He got saved. When men... In the Bible, saw angels. They always appeared as young men. They never appeared as beautiful women. They never appeared with wings. Sorry. Cherubs in the Bible have wings. That's a different kind of a heavenly creature. A different kind of angel, if you will. But these heavenly messengers that visited earth, they were always men. You will never find an angel. I hate it. If you're an angel collector, forgive me. I don't know it, so don't tell me. But you will never find a female angel in the Bible. Okay? So, anyway. But but they were God's, God's servants. They were clearly seen at times in the Bible, but only at times, the Bible said, when they appeared. So, God only allowed people to see them when he had a purpose for it. And I think that was in itself a miracle that God allowed some folks to see these heavenly visitors. I think they, I believe they're visible, but not to human eyes. I can't explain that, of course, but I know that uh, uh, the man of God in 2 Kings 6 and verse number 17, Elisha was not the least bit afraid when uh, the the king of, uh, 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 of, uh, uh, of Syria uh, came because uh, somebody told him that Elisha knows what you whisper in your bedchamber because his God tells him and then he tells the king and the king moves his army and the reason you can't ambush them is uh, they're always one step ahead of you is because God's telling him these secrets. And so he said, we'll take care of that. And they told him where he lived. And, and so he went and surrounded that city and Elisha comes out to meet him. His little servants with him is just scared out of his mind. Here's this. Syrian army, you know, surrounded. We're here to arrest Elisha. And Elisha's not least bit scared. And uh, his servant's word as he can be. And he prayed this prayer. He said this, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Amen. Can, can I tell you something, my dear friend? You know, people, people come in uh, at different times, and just, just recently I tried to help someone in, in, in a similar fashion. It's not, not, not frequently, but it's not uncommon either. And someone wants to say, you know, I, I see this, and I have this, and the curtain's moving, the shadows, and the door opens, and the cabinet door shuts, and this and that, and I hear this, and I hear that. And I often say this, I often say this. Listen, yes, 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 there are little demon spirits that run around this earth. The Bible was very clear about that. Satan's a prince of the power of the air. But let me remind you, there's twice as many good angels as there is bad angels. Amen. And you know, and it, 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 you say, well, we have this stuff going on. Well, first of all, you need a clean house. Clean house. 
in the New Testament when they had all that stuff uh, uh, that, that was used in, uh, you know, Ouija boards and today and tarot cards and, and stuff like that and, uh, and all these horror flicks and all that garbage and, and rock music that opened you wide open to the world, uh, to the, to the d- demonic realm. Uh, what you need to do is go home and clean house. Don't sell it on eBay. Put it in a barrel and burn it. Amen. Burn it. Tear it up. Amen. It's as simple as this. I'm not comfortable. We, we went, we, we went to a nice restaurant. Uh, we went to Bonefish Grill. And, uh, one of you gave us a gift card. We went to the Bonefish Grill Friday week ago. And you walk in, and this side over here, there's kind of a half wall or whatever right here on this side's a bar, and over here's a dining room. And uh, uh, it was about mid-afternoon, I guess. And the lady said, uh, said uh, would you mind sitting over here? I said, we would, actually. We'd like to sit in the dining room. And she looked at me. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> now, I don't want to sit over there. I don't mean at the bar. I don't want to sit anywhere near the bar. Amen? Why? That's not, that, that's not what I'm there for. Amen? They'd eat a steak. Amen? <laughs> not drink or whatever. Now, I'm not comfortable there. So that's my point. Amen? I'm not comfortable there. Many, many, many times I've gone to a restaurant and said, would you do me a favor? Will you turn the music down, please? And you know what I found? That most people, if you ask nicely, will honor your request. They will. Many, 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 many times in many, many, many places. Will you turn down? Why? I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't think people even listen to the lyrics of the music that's playing. I don't even think they listen to it. I don't even think they know what, what, what was being screamed into their ears. Now, my point is this. There's, there's places I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. And by the way, there's places you as a child of God, I as a child of God should never be comfortable. Amen? So here's my point. You get up in the morning at our house, and there is Christ honoring. It's, it's been this way for years, and my wife is intentional about this. You get up in the morning, you come early to our house, and you will find, as folks are getting up, getting ready, you'll find Christ honoring music playing in our home morning after morning after morning. I, you, you'll find music that is well done and well sung and Christ honored. That's the atmosphere we like. That's what we like. Me and the girls, we, grow up, we ride to school together. We just sing our lungs out on the way to school sometimes. We listen to music coming and going. Christ honoring music. Amen. Now listen, it just seems reasonable to me that if I'm not comfortable in that crowd, then I want my house to be a place where some spook is not comfortable. Amen. I was a little demon in hanging around my place. Turn the Christ honoring music up. Amen. Turn up the preaching. Amen. Turn up the spoken word of God. Sometimes animals can see angels better than we can. That's biblical. Balaam's donkey was trying to help him, wasn't he? Shoved him up against the wall. One of the funniest things in all the Bible to me. That, that, don- that donkey could see that, could see that angel. Balaam couldn't. And, and, and Balaam, <laughs> Balaam got so mad at the donkey. The donkey kept saying, and he's trying to make the donkey go. He's leaving the will of God. He's leaving, getting out of the will of God. The donkey's trying to help him stay in the will of God. And he gets off the donkey and said, man, what are you doing? The donkey talks to him, saying, I'm trying to help you. And he talked back to the donkey. 
Can you imagine this prophet having a conversation with a donkey? I think I'd pay attention. He said, beats the donkey, you know, and the donkey said, why are you beating me? I'm trying to help you. Anyway, I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of that, but evidently animals can, I guess, see angels better than we can. I think angels probably travel at the speed of light, based on Luke eight, Luke ten eighteen. Satan, an angel fell from heaven like lightning. The Bible says, I, I, "I wouldn't stake my salvation on that." Mr. Cooks, maybe, but not mine. But I'm of that opinion. I do know that angels have superhuman power. Second Peter chapter two verse eleven says that they are great in power and might. They have some power over the elements. For Judges 6.21, the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand. Gideon brought some meat and some bread to, 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 as a, as a, a courtesy, a, a hospitality to his heavenly visitor. And the angel of the Lord put the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the flesh and unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock. And consume the, the meat and the bread. They are immune to heat and fire. Samson's father Manoah had a heavenly visitor. An angel came to him in Judges chapter 13. And the Bible, uh, he too prepared uh, hospitality. And, and the Bible tells us the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. <laughs> he brought the sacrifice there and lit the fire up with the angel in the fire. So evidently they're immune to heat and fire. And I, I think that fourth visitor was uh, the angel of the Lord. I believe it was, it was Jesus Christ himself. That's what I believe. But he didn't have any trouble in the fire himself, did he? Angels are called in Psalm 103, verses 20, 21 and 22, obedient servants. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength that do his commandments, their obedient servants, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Angels do his pleasure. They are his ministers. They do his commandments. They hearken unto the voice of his word. Amen. Amen. However, angels at one point had a choice between good and evil. We read in Isaiah chapter 14. Turn there with me. We read in Isaiah 14 of the fall. Of Lucifer, the light bearer. I think the third of the archangels. Isaiah 14 verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the 
heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Satan had an eye problem, didn't he? Capital I, I problem. Go with me to Revelation, the last book in your Bible, if you would. Turn over there with me to the book of Revelation in chapter number 12. The Bible talks about the great red dragon. In verse number 4, said his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Job 38.7 identifies those as angels. And did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And uh, he wanted to do that through Herod, didn't he? But it didn't work out too well. And so... We, we learn from this verse that one-third of those angels that God created chose evil rather than good. One-third of those angels fell from heaven with Lucifer that we read about in Luke in chapter number 14. Angels don't know everything. They don't know the hour of Jesus' return. But I like the fact that the Bible said in our text, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. How many of you say, Pastor, uh, I'm pretty sure that my guardian angel has guarded me and I'm pretty sure I know when it was. Raise your hand. All right. Now that's biblical. Amen. He gave angels charge over us to keep or protect us in all of our ways. And uh, you all have heard my stories many times, so I get to tell them again. But I was, had uh, my granddaddy, my granddaddy uh, had helped me get a car, a little Chevy celebrity. And I was riding home across an icy bridge on uh, 41, uh, State Road 41, Right there, uh, Indianapolis Boulevard, Boulevard right there in, uh, I guess it would be Sherville, Indiana. Headed back late at night in the wee hours of, of the night. Uh, headed back to the college campus and, uh, and lost control. Started sliding on the ice. And I, I went off the road and, and there's, uh, it's not, the house is not there now, but at that time there was a house there at the, at the bottom of the overpass. And it's a big, big tall tree right there on the road, right there in front of the house. And as I was sliding, I turned the wheel like this, and the car just going where it's going, and my turning the wheel didn't do anything. And I remember thinking, oh, my granddad's going to be so disappointed. He helped me get this car. It was good to me. He helped me get this car. And I'm getting ready to tear it all to pieces. And I, I didn't feel afraid, but I was just disappointed. And I just, I just put my head down. I, I couldn't do anything with the wheel. Took my hands off the wheel and just put my head down. I didn't want to watch the devastation. And I'm, I'm literally, I'm just like yards from this tree and, and ready to just plow right into this tree. Going along at a pretty good clip. And I said, oh man, I'm going to disappoint my granddad. And I felt the car go through the snow. No impact. And 
finally come to a stop and I lifted my head. God is my witness. I got out of the car, trudged through the snow, and watched the tracks of that vehicle. If this microphone were that oak tree in the middle, in the front yard of that house, I watched the, the tracks of the car go just like this around that tree and straight on ahead and pushed me right back up on the shoulder of the road. And I said, thank you, Lord. Now, I don't know which guardian angel got bruised up and banged up that night. And I don't know for sure if God used an angel to do it. But I know he's divinely protected me time and time again. And I know he looks after us. I know he cares for us. In 1912, one of the most fascinating biographies I've ever read was of Sundar Singh. They called him the apostle of the bloody feet. Sundar Singh was, grew, grew up in a, a Sikh family and uh, with, with basically uh, everything everybody believes is fine. A very wealthy family, very well-to-do family. And to associate with Christianity was a complete shame to the family. But at 15 years of age, God touched that young boy's heart and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Some, uh, some Christian missionaries had educated him and he came to faith in Christ. As a result of that, his entire family turned his back on him. His uncle brought him in and showed him a whole safe full of literal jewels and stacks of money. And he had land holdings. And he said, son, all this is yours. This will be your inheritance. You just got to turn your back on this silly Christianity thing. And he said, you don't understand. Jesus Christ is my Savior. And I'm his apostle. I've got to tell others what Christ has done for me. And he went from very wealthy to being abject in abject poverty. But he had a burden to cross the Himalayan mountains, take the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel before. And in 1912, he went over a certain pass, and he went everywhere. He lived a very simple life and, and, and literally walked on his bare feet. And he crossed that high Himalayan pass and came to a little village and, and said, can you, can you help me? Can you help me know where to get through? I don't know this land. I don't know this area. Show me a pass across the mountain on the other side. And uh, a little lady just greeted him. She said, "Just yeah. said, point it up there. Go, go that way." He was two hours into that walk to the top of that mountain, and he came to an icy river. It was impassable, and he realized that he'd been lied to. He had given and given and given of his life to share the gospel. People have never heard. Lived just a very simple life, and he became overwhelmed with discouragement. He was freezing cold, icy waters, impossible river to pass. And he just cried out to the Lord. He said, God, he said, just, I don't think I can go on anymore. He laid down and he said, I don't think I can go on anymore. And literally, ready to give all, up all hope and just lay there and freeze to death. And he laid down, crying out to God, and looked across the water. And there was a man on the other side of the river at a, at a fire. And a man warming himself by the fire. He hadn't seen the man. About that time, the man got up from the fire, looked across the river at Sundar Singh, and walked across the icy water chest high now, as though the current had no impact whatsoever on him. Walked across the river, knelt down, and helped Sundar Singh up onto his shoulders. And then walked back across the icy waters, set him down next to the fire. He's freezing. 
by the time he sat down, he turned to say thank you to the man who was nowhere to be found. There was a little beachhead there on the side of the river. It was a hundred yards or more before anybody, where there's nothing, just open, open area. You say, what happened? I don't know who God sent, but I know he's got a bunch of messengers. And I know he keeps his servants safe. (laughs) And I know he loves us and I know he cares about us. I'm so thankful for that. Go to Hebrews, if you will, please. Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews in chapter number one. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. The book of Hebrews, of course, is written to the Jewish people to show them the excellency of Christ and to show how that he's better than Moses and he's better than the prophets and he's better than the angels. The Jews held the angels in high regard. As I mentioned earlier in the message, Acts 7.53 said, Who have received the law by the disposition of angels... And Galatians 3.19 says, was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. So according to Jewish beliefs, angels were beings of a higher order who fulfilled an important role in the giving of God's law to Israel. And so it makes sense that he would open this book with a comparative of this one, the Son of God, with angels because of the respect that they had for angels. But he asks the question in verse 5, Yet unto, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. He's trying to identify the Messiah to these unbelieving Israelites, he's trying to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, you think a lot of angels, but God told the angels to worship his only begotten son. Verse number seven of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels a spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son, he saith, thy throne, O God, there identifies the Lord Jesus Christ as God incarnate. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. 
Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. What he's saying is that angels are just ministering spirits. They're just merely servants. But this son is is a king. He's God in flesh, exalted high above any other heavenly being. Verse 10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same. And thy years shall not fail. This earth and the heavens are temporal and, and they're going to be uh, pass away. But this Son, this Messiah, this Jesus, this Savior is eternal. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 13, but to which of the angels said it in it at, any, at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? None, none is the understood answer. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. The book of Hebrews exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter number 20, look at verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled." And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somewhere back yonder, one of those archangels led a rebellion against God in heaven. And he took one-third of those angels with him. And they, uh, they, they work for the devil. They've been around a long time. They know human nature pretty well. And by the way, you don't need to mess with the devil. You don't need to mess with anything at all. Anything at all has anything to do... Uh, I, I listen, listen. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't so much as read a, 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 a horoscope. Uh, I, I would I wouldn't touch a, a, a Ouija board. I, I wouldn't touch a tarot card. I wouldn't go uh, visit some spiritual advisor. Those involved in necromancy and those involved in soothsaying in the Bible, it was capital punishment. Yes, Satan has power. Of course, he has power. That's why you ought to stay away from... The Bible talks about, in Ezekiel, talks about how he was crafted. He was made. It says Satan, he's he's, he's he's literally described by the prophet as a, a musical instrument. Thy pipes, he talks about his pipes. He makes music. 
Which is why it has such a hold on the music of this world. Now what you ought to do is shut every door you can. I'm talking about anything that's not Christ honoring. Anything that even sniffs of a, 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 man told me the other day, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble with spirits and things like this happen. I said, well, Terry, what do you do besides work? He said, well, I do yoga. I said, well, there, number one right there. Yoga is nothing but, uh, 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 Eastern mysticism with a little makeup on it. Let me tell you something. You want to prosper, read Psalm 1. You want to prosper, you meditate in the Word of God day and night. And any philosophy that tells you, you need to clear your mind of everything is garbage. That's Eastern mysticism. You don't need to clear your mind. The Bible says that will keep him in perfect peace. Who clears his mind? No. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Amen. You don't, you don't need yoga. You need a Bible study. You say, I need exercise. Wonderful. Exercise. Exercise yourself away. That's great. But let me tell you something. Anything at all that reeks of that spiritism other than the Holy Spirit, you ought to get it out of your life. Amen. God looks after his children. Amen. And the old devil's headed to the eternal lake of fire. And all the imps that do his bidding are going with him. But you and I are one day going to bow before the throne of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we'll be there by the droves from every tongue, every nation, every tribe. We'll be there. And we'll bring praise and honor and glory to the Lamb. And we'll get to see those cherubs and those seraphim. We'll get to see them flying around the throne crying, Holy, holy, holy. Amen. What a sight it will be. I'm glad to be saved, aren't you? Let's stand together. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin no more will I abide.